Hi everyone, and welcome to The Amber Show. I'm Amber Urquhart of the Little Community, and every two weeks we talk about the latest in tech and crypto. Today I'm live from Taipei, and we're sitting down with Ivan Lai of Red Building Capital and Calvin Shin of Hex Trust. Let's go! So hi everyone, welcome to The Amber Show, and today I have these two lovely guests um, next to me, so I'll let them introduce themselves, starting with Kelvin. Hi everyone, my name is Kelvin Shen. I head the sales and business development team at Hex Trust. We are Asia's leading digital asset custodian. Uh, this is Ivan Lee. Uh, I'm the co-founder and managing partner of uh, Rare Building Capital. So yeah, good to see you. So I think today's topics, since we have these lovely guests here, are going to be on blockchain um, custody solutions, institutions getting into the space, and more data-driven um, security uh, methods of how blockchain is changing the space. So let's get started with um, some some background on how both of you got into blockchain. blockchain. Uh, we can start with Alvin. Let's just keep it really casual. I just messed up <laughs> the intro, so go ahead. Oh, sure. So uh, this is Ivan. Uh, so I was an engineer at uh, TSMC. So, you know, uh, boring job. And then uh, I moved to Shanghai for my own startup for four years plus. And I come back to Taipei uh, starting uh, Rebuilding Capital. That's where I met crypto at the very beginning. So uh, we invest in uh, Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum. You know, like I uh, made, made a little bit and then put it back to our venture fund. So uh, ever since we invest in sort of blockchain startups and uh, some applications like cybersecurity, data government, governance, or, you know, like those data uh, collection solutions, projects, and also data analysis projects. That's interesting. What was the first um, coin you invested in since you came back? Uh, you mean crypto or crypto? Yeah, crypto. Um, like early twenty seventeen. Like which coin was it? Bitcoin or something else? Oh, it was Ethereum for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So Ivan, I always want to say I always call Ivan like the celebrity of blockchain in Taiwan. He has a lot of fans. So all of you out there, please follow Ivan on um, social media. He's also really active in um, TED talks and a lot of other things. Uh, how, do, how about you, Calvin? Calvin is um, new to Taiwan. Let's hear a bit about his background and um, how he got into blockchain. Yeah, thank, thanks, Amber. And uh, it, it's new, new to Taiwan is, is correct, even though I was born in Taiwan. Um, having said that, I did grow up in, in, in the U.S. So, in, in fact, it is actually, you know, I am actually relatively new to Asia. And part of that reason that brought me back to Asia is, you know, beyond the family reasons, but certainly with blockchain, uh, especially particularly with my current role with Hex Trust, which is um, the custodian that's headquartered in Hong Kong. Um, before moving to my current role, you know, I, I came from traditional financial services background. I was on the buy side. And just like many um, people in my demographic, you know, I found Bitcoin to be quite fascinating, right, from an investable background. I got into crypto in early 2017. So definitely not the crypto OG, but still when, crypto, uh, when Bitcoin was, pro, was less than 2000 US dollars at that time. So certainly beyond, you know, earlier than the mass public, but... Again, not early enough. Um, so moving after graduate from business school and had some stint on, on Wall Street, I decided to join a fintech startup in San Francisco, which is basically using online lending and blockchain technology to streamline the lending, the peer-to-peer lending um, services um, using blockchain technology. And again, after which I moved to my current role at Hex Trust, which is really focusing on the infrastructure layer and the custody uh, components for digital assets um, on behalf of institutional investors. 
I think I know uh, me and me and Hex Trust go back. I think way before even Calvin was a part of Hex Trust. <laughs> Maybe you can kind of talk a bit about you know the background of um, how Hex got started and where where they saw the the pain point in the in the industry. Yeah, so Hex Trust was founded about three years ago. Um, the idea was to to basically provide institutional grade custody, right? So recall that three years ago, this new institutional grade custody thing was new. In fact, it didn't really exist at that time. So we always had a thesis that, you know, in order for the big institutional players like Goldman Sachs, like the, you know, the, the hedge funds, the traditional big money um, guys to, to come into the space, they need to really understand, making sure that there is an institutional and bank grade infrastructure solutions, right? So the, the, the idea is very simple. How do you safe keep Bitcoin at an institutional scale, right? Mm-hmm. So when all these hedge funds and big banks coming in, with a billion, 10 billion, 100 billion dollars, right? Let alone the market is not that big at that time. But if they want to come to the space, they have to make sure that their assets are safe, their clients' assets are safe, that there is a bank rate um, solution as well as the right regulatory framework from a compliance perspective for them to get into the ecosystem. So we started tackling that problem three years ago. Um, and fast forward three years you know, to, to this day, it's great at this point, it's great to hear, you know, um, household names like Goldman, JP, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, you name it, they're all finally in various stages um, to get into the space. And congratulations on your last week's news of your um, successful Series A. Do you feel that these big brands are going to, or big name banks are going to, is it going to be harder for them to enter Asia? Or what is the, how is that going to happen with their um, entities here in Asia? Yeah, I would say Asia is actually one of the, from a growth potential perspective, probably the best region. Um, now, obviously, the biggest market are like, you know, the U.S., um, but, you know, from a regulatory framework perspective, um, you can always hear that, you know, the U.S. SEC may not be the most friendliest um, from a regulatory perspective. So where Asia is a little bit different, right, just because you have many different jurisdictions, um, the likes of, you know, Japan and Korea, who are kind of the, the OGs in, in the crypto space, but also you have Taiwan, Hong Kong, and certainly Singapore, which we're actually opening an office there. Um, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS, um, has been very supportive of innovative technologies, including the likes of blockchain. Thank you. Um, there's so much we can talk about that, and we'll get back to it later. But I'm really curious, and Ivan, Ivan is like, you know, I don't want to make fun of you, but I hope you see it as a compliment, the poster boy of, like, you know, blockchain in, in Taiwan and really representing Taiwan with your stint at TSMC and all of the other things you do. Um, what is your view on the on the sector here in Taiwan? How did you get involved with all of these big entities here? And, and from that perspective, what are your thoughts and what's it, what do you think? All right. Uh, I feel so much different. Like, uh, so since we're here in Taiwan and office here, operation here. So uh, I would say that before 2020, I wouldn't say, oh, we invest in cryptos before turn, uh, 2020 because, you know, we talk to governments, you know, like most list, listing governments, uh, companies, enterprises, because they got confused if we, we know Bitcoin, if we invest in crypto, because we got a venture fund, right, investing uh, startups, those startups, uh, especially blockchain startups. But if we talk about Bitcoin, they get confused. Hey, are you guys like serious or, you know, uh, you why you involve it with uh, Bitcoin? But after, like, since the beginning of this year, 2021, it's totally different. When we go out there and then say, hey, we know Bitcoin, and then uh, we've been investing in this domain for a long time. So those uh, traditional institutions, they came to us, say, hey, how do we, how can we, like, do a crypto fund here? Can we, like, uh, legally got a structure here in Taiwan? Or if not, 
can we do it somewhere else, offshore, Hong Kong, Singapore? Like we're trying to figure out the solutions for uh, for those tra- uh, traditional financial institutions, and seriously, a lot of uh, institutions came to us. So we are talking about like signing exclusive exclusive deals with a certain you know uh, investing companies or uh, banks. But yeah, we're, we're not deciding yet. But we see the demand, and then we see the wave is coming. So we gonna be here, and then uh, yeah, right, right it. Awesome. I think uh, you also kind of touch upon uh, an emphasis on cybersecurity and data. So can you please explain more how you approach these t- these fields? Okay. So yeah, when we're speaking of you know like uh, real applications in real world of uh, blockchain technologies, so we prefer you know. We, we go another way. Uh, instead of you know, Web3 innovations, we go for, uh, I would say, industrial blockchains. So most of those core technologies mix with the blockchain technology and then they, they can provide solution to those enterprises, listing companies and governments. That's what it needs. So you, you solve the real problems, right? So uh, for example, cybersecurity. We see a really strong need uh, on cybersecurity. Every generation, every era, every year. So that's why, uh, based on the strong need, and then uh, you know, uh, blockchain technology provides really, really uh, innovative ways to uh, prevent certain you know virus or uh, ha- hackers. For example, uh, everybody knows the virus called uh, what's, what's that name again? Like uh, WannaCry. Okay, one okay. quite basically like that. They hijack they, your file system. Every every kind of file like uh, JPEG or uh, uh, Excel, you know, Word. So they they, they they the virus come into your computer and hijack the file, and then and then like uh, kind of uh, blackmail you for bitcoins. Yeah, as 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 a return. So current like w- let's say Web two Word, we cannot prevent this kind of attack, but with Blockchain technology, say Web 3.0 world, we can actually solve the problem. So that's a big change. Yeah. So for example, like one of our portfolio, uh, very brilliant uh, cybersecurity team. So their solution is basically like they they can put the, all the files into pieces and encrypt it and then uh, spread it onto those blockchain nodes and encrypt encrypt again. So. Uh, very highly, you know, uh, protect all those file systems. So that's why all all those, you know, like uh, military uh, units, you know, like uh, some really intelligence units, companies, they came to this project and asked for the solutions. Well, besides blockchain, do you see that there are other um, technologies being deployed in the sector or what other advancements are being made? You mean like uh, for uh, cybersecurity or... I would say like different kind of uh, approach of cybersecurity. So uh, it's always a strong need. So it's a huge uh, market cap there. So uh, I see a few of uh, inno- innovative like uh, solutions, startups in the world, like uh, trying to trying to tackle this problem with the uh, different approaches. But uh, so but but what we see is this co- uh, this uh, this solutions uh, like our portfolios they tackle this problem with the uh, zero trust concept. What's zero trust? So basically, uh, we assume every single one is is not a good, it's a bad guy. So like every single one would attack at a certain point, certain time. So basically, we just prevent this from very beginning from happening. 
So we we assume every every single one is a bad guy. So we basically hide everything. We hide every file, every you know uh, data. So you cannot find it. So when you can, couldn't find it, you cannot you cannot attack it or steal it. So that's the concept. Very cool. So are there um, other companies in your portfolio that are making the whole IT network um, a safer place? Or can you maybe elaborate on that? Okay. There's uh, uh, another one, uh, there's another project called Shoppers, but uh, yeah, still based on uh, zero trust. So they focus on more about, you know, authentication. So when we talk about cybersecurity, uh, especially data security, there's a triangle there. So you got you to got ensure the uh, safety of the data storage or data transaction and authentication. So like, like who can read or who can access to the data. So that's a triangle there. So we try to uh, solve this security problem with all these three kind of solutions. So we invest in the, you know, like data storage security solution and uh, some authentication solutions. And we're still uh, trying to find out more this kind of projects, this is kind of uh, companies tackling on this problem. Awesome. So I think this is all really on like personal safety. I'm wondering from a, let's go back to the custody solution. I'm wondering like, I get this question a lot, but like who needs like a third party custody solution? Do we all, or how, how do you guys think is the best way to keep our, keep ourselves safe or keep our crypto safe at least? Yeah, I know this is, you know, custody is kind of an interesting question, especially for the real kind of blockchain believers, right? Because blockchain is built on, the, on this basis that it's decentralized. Custody is obviously the exact opposite, right? Because it's very much centralized. But the idea here is that, you know, as this world continues to, to kind of evolve into, the, you know, any digital representation of value, there's always going to be a need for a custodian because as a third-party licensed entity who focuses on infrastructure, who is probably regulated by the relevant um, jurisdiction or the regulators, basically it holds somebody accountable uh, for some of these very large um, institutional, um, you know, players on behalf of uh, holding client assets. So that's why, you know, before, you know, the rhetoric in 2017 with the crypto boom was, you know, mass retail um, inflows. Now in 20, late 2020 and in early 2021, you know, the rhetoric has always been institutional money, right? So the big money are finally coming into the space, in, in, into digital assets. And I think part of, part of the contribution, at least in Tailwind, are, are really twofold. One is on the regulatory clarity side, right? So now it's very clear that, you know, from a jurisdiction and uh, regulatory framework perspective, there are major framework coming from, you know, major countries like Singapore, for example, and to, you know, to a certain extent, OCC in the, in, in the United States, that they do provide some type of, you know, guidance that, you know, crypto is allowed and it's okay as an investable asset subject to certain, you know, AML and KYC and some type of regulatory clarity. The other part is on the infrastructure side, which is custody, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, before the big uh, traditional players would actually even think about coming to the space and offer the service to, to clients, they want to make sure that they're able to save keep and that the, uh, for client assets, that they're able to provide uh, the infrastructure solutions, uh, really the plumbing behind the scenes, so to speak. So before that's taken care of, before there's such you know bank-grade solution for it, they weren't going to, you know, come in and kind of stay on sideline. So I think that's two kind of the main, um, you know, tailwinds to, to leading to today. But what about like, you know, people like myself, people like our audience, like both of you, like how do we keep our crypto safe and how do we keep our data safe? 
So, uh, yeah. So me personally, I use like uh, you know, like uh, cold wallet and uh, of course like online wallet for sure. And some some assets I put it into uh, probably like exchange exchange wallet. And besides that, echo to Calvin. So uh, how can we bring all this? Because I we we've been like uh, we've been like uh, you know meeting with so many traditional uh, financial finance institutions. So uh, how can bring their money into crypto world? So we need custody solution for sure. That's why, like this, this, this probably the first that reason we need uh, custody solution because we need to bring all this this huge money into a crypto world and then trying to build some you know new economy and then this first and, and second is so the bank since the banking system there is been so long over a hundred years so like me or like other people like uh, we individually we don't get used to handle our own money. I mean, we always put money into a bank, right? Like traditionally, but we we do not we do not know like how to handle with say two million, two hundred million of US dollars. Like uh, I I should I manage it by our, my own. Like that's a that's, that's like a pain in the ass. I cannot do it by my own. So that's the second reason we need custody. And then third, so. Uh, I actually forgot the third one. So when I when I think about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I love it. It's gonna create the grand finale. Yeah. So we're excited the about third that. Point <laughs> of why we need custody. Right, and then so if just just on, on the custody side, right? So as a so I remember when I first got into to to you know crypto. Obviously, I didn't have major assets, right? But I did remember printing out my private key, literally on a piece of paper. Yeah. And I printed multiple copies and I spread it across, you know, my exactly. room, my parents, you know. And then later on, you know, I did have a nano ledger, right? So it's a hardware kind of USB thumb drive. It's basically kind of a retail cold wallet, if you will. It's offline uh, and it works. So, you know, so, you know, from a retail smaller mouse perspective, I think that makes perfect sense. I know, but you say that, but then you're like, okay, well, how much is, is necessary before, like, as an individual, as a high-net person, should I seek, a, seek out a third party? Like, if I think that's a question people want to know, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, honestly, you know, as even if I run, since I do run a kind of a institutional-grade custodian, I do think, you know, kind of typical, smaller-amount retail investors, they're more than ha- uh, welcome to use a nano-ledger for their own personal investment. And I think that's perfectly okay. Now, what to, to think about third-party custodian, right, again, is when you have the fiduciary to hold client assets. When you actually have to hold, you know, because you run a hedge fund or some type of asset management firm, and you do have to hold on behalf of client assets, all of a sudden the question becomes liability, right? What happens if you were to lose the private key? What happens when you see all these negative press on exchanges because they got hacked, because they use an on-the-bus account wallet, they literally have one private key. So, you know, it, that gets compromised and you lose hundreds of millions worth of, of client assets, right? We've seen that rhetoric over and over again for the past few years. So this is the reason why custody, um, well, you know, I think will always be there because it's a liability, not to mention the fact that we have external insurance, which is very hard to come by, um, you know, with the, like the like the Lois of London's to underwrite a, a certain insurance policy because make sure they have to make sure they're comfortable with your process and your security protocol leading to cybersecurity we talked about earlier before they would even consider underwriting such policy. I think Ivan has a lot of experience in this. You also have, are there any personal stories? Like I'll put it out there. I've lost, you know, wallet, passwords, keys quite a few times. Do you have any personal experiences? 
Actually, I don't have such ex- experiences since I, I'm an invest- investor and I do risk control, right? So that's why, like, my, uh, so the last but not the least, Kelvin just bring it up, insurance is the third reason I need custody. Because, you know, like, uh, when, you, when you got, like, insured, so you, you, your product, your solutions, like, pass certain level of, you know, like, uh, verification. So that's why you got, you got insurance company, like, coming in. So we need custodian solutions because our asset, can be uh, protected by insurance, but uh, by my own, I cannot do it, right? But like, like personally or, or every individual. So I think it's very important because uh, insurance is, you know, like you cannot see the risk, but risk is, is everywhere. So how to handle risk and how to deal with it. Is that your most frequently asked um, question, Kelvin, or what are the, like, the main questions or, or solutions that, you know, your clients ask you? Yeah, the, the, the main question is really, okay, well, why you know you, you you talk a big game right you have the best security and whatnot so so but how do you prove that like how 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 do i know so i think insurance is one thing i think insurance at this point has become a minimum requirement i i, I believe all major custodians now have some form of insurance uh one form or the other um so i think that's kind of called a checkbox at this point in fact you know as as you know if you're considering you know a custodian that would be one of the check boxes for you to check um for your due diligence. Now, one of the, the kind of different uh, value differentiator is that if you look at um, some of the past incidents, right, uh, from a hacking bad events perspective, while we focus on technology, we focus on cybersecurity, we focus on external intrusion, one of the biggest reasons for, you know, bad things is actually internal bad actors. So if you have employees that decided to go rogue, okay, well, if you don't have the right internal control, how do you prevent someone to have access to the system to just, you know, take off a client assets? Or better yet, right, um, the, 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 uh, the example with the, you know, the Canadian exchange where the, the founder passed away, disappeared. disappeared, you know, whatever, something, you know, something, but apparently no one has access to client assets now. Right, so these things still do happen. So you know, we really focus on the securities at you know multiple levels, right? So cybersecurity, we're talking about physical securities because we do have physical vaults, uh, you know, to hold keys. Where, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> we we can discuss that online, but we actually do have physical vaults. So you know, think armed guards, you know, armed securities, James Bond style biometric screening type thing. Oh. Um, you know, and we're talking about internal control. So I can I can tell you that no single person has access to client assets from Hack Trust. That that I can share with you, um, but also you know I think one thing is just as important as technology itself is regulations, right? Because you know obviously from exchanges perspective, you know invest people in this space are used to trading on exchanges because that's kind of the earliest form. Like for example, Mount Gox, right? That's the earliest kind of venue for you to enable secondary trading. The, one of the va- main value prop for you know custodians is that, you know, we want to engage the regulators, we want to focus on compliance, we want to adhere to the strictest KYC and AML. Um, so that's why we're licensed in Hong Kong. We're about to be full licensed in Singapore as well. So the idea here is that we, as the kind of the management team for the custodian, we're actually personally accountable by the regulators that if we were trying to do bad things or bad acting, people might go to jail. You know, so we probably don't want that to happen. What kind of um, uh, licenses or regulations or, you know, do you follow in Hong Kong and Singapore that you've uh, acquired so far? Yeah, in Hong Kong, we have two licenses. One is the trust company license. So so this is why we're called Hex Trust, because in Hong Kong, you actually can't have the word trust in your name unless you're actually a trust company license. 
right? So, so think about trust is, you know, basically we act as a fiduciary on behalf of a client's assets, right? So this is very much like State Street Trust, um, you know, on my own trust, right? So it's the same exact trust license that um, really enable us to be the custodian on behalf of all client assets, though we certainly focus on, on digital assets. Um, in Singapore, it's, you know, I, I speak very highly of Singapore because um, the MAS in Singapore, the de facto central bank there, they've been very progressive and they're very accommodating, you know, enabling sandbox environment for startups to, you know, try it out. So in, in, in Singapore, there are two different licensing regimes right now. One is called the pay, uh, PSA, the Payment Services Act, in which essentially all virtual asset service providers need to obtain for which we are certainly, you know, apply for. The other one is the capital market service license. Basically, that one's under the securities rule. So the idea here is that we're not going to be caught up between what is security and what is not. We're just going to get the right licenses for both. So then we're not, uh, we're always going to be, you know, uh, adhere to the strictest uh, regulations. All right, so no one likes talking about regulations, right? Uh, <laughs> but like, Ivan, you have your Quan Fund and your structure here in Taiwan, so maybe you can touch upon how that was set up here in Taiwan and how you feel like, is Taiwan a good place, or what do you think about this the ecosystem here? Actually, like, uh, in Taiwan, there's not, I wouldn't say it's a good place for now uh, to set up, uh, you know, a crypto hedge fund or a crypto mutual fund here because we don't have uh, the regulation yet. We don't have the uh, uh, like formal jurisdiction here. So, uh, but yeah, we've been set up this strategy for uh, more than two years, and it's been running very well. And uh, last year, the performance was at two thirty six percent. Like, uh, it's very good compared to our uh, traditional finance. You you cannot find this uh, this kind of ROI in traditional finance. So uh, what we did is uh, like uh, every client they got their own uh, exchange account and then they put it put their asset say uh, stable coins or Bitcoin Ethereum or whatever and then into their exchange account and then we get APIs right so we uh, try we do manage accounts yeah so that's basically uh, our strategy so we got different kind of strategies more of that more uh, more and many of them. Yeah, there's no secret sauce. It's, it's just uh, kind of buy long uh, strategy. So what, we, yeah. Um, what coins are, are these strategies? And um, yeah, can you maybe tell us uh, a little bit about how you got such an amazing um, performance in such a short time? Okay. Uh, so for example, like the, this, the, the one strategy is focused on Bitcoin. So we just uh, convert uh, stable coin and Bitcoin like uh back and forth. And uh, the other one, uh, we select a few, you know, those major coins and then uh, some popular coins, say, uh, Compound, yeah. And then uh, XTZ, you know, like uh, Cardano, uh, yeah, you, you name it. So lots of major coins. And then uh, we found the, some alpha and pretty much like some beta, beta with it. So, yeah, so it's it's kind of, oh, so we, we by the way, we, we didn't develop that strategy by all, ourselves because we are not we were like more we are better at the primary market but not really like that good at the secondary market so we work with our portfolios like we invest in them it's a, a u.s-based company for new york a bunch of you know like really seasoned traders 20 20 plus years traders and lehman brothers so you know like goldman sachs so yeah so that's how we work together and then uh, they develop all those strategies and then we go out and then you know hey we got so many investors clients they can like use these services and you know like we make money for clients 
I think we did a deep dive into Hex, but I don't think we really went um, went over the structure of red building and your venture building and all the different uh, umbrellas. Maybe you can elaborate on that so everyone really understands uh, all the different things that, that you're doing here and that you're based in Taiwan. Okay. Yeah, since that we, we are kind of like not that young people here in crypto space. So yeah, we've been uh, investing in crypto since 2017. And then uh, since uh, 2019, we do a lot of, you know, like venture, uh, venture investments, including uh, blockchain startups and some SaaS, uh, SaaS solutions and some, you know, like uh, IoT solutions. So uh, Rebating Capital, we, uh, we, we, we got like venture fund and crypto fund. And besides that, we got the structure of, uh, called Rebating Labs. So works more like a venture studio. So when you invest, when you bring money, you inject capital to uh, startups. So what startups need, they, they need two things. One, capital, funding. Two, they need business. So Rebating Labs bring business to uh, lose our portfolios or lose our target investment pro- uh, projects. So yeah, because uh, most of the time, like uh, projects, itself they got like really decent technology core technology but they are not they are probably not good at you know bd sales project management so we kind of like handle this kind of these things for them so when we found like one say we found like one potential projects we are really interesting we probably sign a deal with them first like say distribution deal and then we can try to sell the product their uh, solutions to those like big companies, say quantum computer, you know, like SI companies. So we want to make sure the demand's there, and then we want to make sure the solution like solves certain problems. Do you, so? Are you basically what are you looking for now? Are you looking for new projects or interesting startups to invest in? And do you only focus on Taiwan-based teams, or what is it you're looking for at the moment? Okay, uh, at the moment I'm looking for like all those uh, Taiwan brilliant startups since uh, many of my investors they are listing companies in here in Taiwan or individuals handing words so yeah so since like GP always work with the LP right we are like marriage so not like we serve them but uh, we should that's our responsibility to make money for our investors so we work really together like like uh, most of the, the investors they are my good friends yeah and then uh, you know like uh, we know each other for, for, for a while so I would say, yeah, like uh, projects come to rebuilding and then uh, especially like software startups, SaaS, you know, blockchain startups, and then we can, we can help. Like at, at what stage usually or? Okay. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the reason that we, go, we focus on C and pre-A stage. But uh, after like uh, in the end of this year, I can look at some, you know, follow-on investment on A-ROM. Awesome. I feel like this is like, we're all friends here. We're all in the space here in Taiwan. But I feel like it's quite a interesting par- pairing where we have someone who's like a huge figure in the Taiwan scene and someone who's really just not really focused on Taiwan at all. <laughs> is your goal to um, to get these big institutionals that have Asia based? Is it your goal to um, sign on Taiwan based companies, or what is your what are you looking for? Yeah. So so our I mean we're we're, we're a startup right. So we started three years ago. So the, the kind of the you know what business school or you know startup mentorship will tell you is focus on mar- you know focus on market segmentations and, and basically crush that segment. So we know that some of our competitors who are you know deep pocketed backed by Silicon Valley money, um, they're all in the U.S. Right. It's trying to service the U.S. market. So that that's fine. That's primary market for the time being. And so what we want to focus on is Asia. 
you know, we want to be the best and the biggest um, in Asia. And I think we've already done that by, by various metrics. So, you know, by being, you know, Asia's leading digital asset custodian, um, certainly we want to be, you know, being licensed or regulated by the relevant jurisdictions. Asia's leading digital custodian. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our new tagline. So, you know, I'll, I'll give the pro- I'll, I'll give that the credit to our uh, head of marketing for that. Um, that's kind of what we're, you know, now we're going to go to market as. But, you know, I think, you, you know, I even brought up a good point about kind of Taiwan regulation, right? And, you know, I think this is particularly interesting and, and personal to me being Taiwanese myself is that I feel like Taiwan, the, the government or the regulators, could really kind of, you know, promote or somehow be more, even more friendly to this ecosystem, right? We're still early in this stage, um, you know, for example, MAS has sandbox environments. So to encourage startups to try things and don't be afraid to break things, but come over in Taiwan and try it out. Um, I think that's one of the, the, the things that from my, uh, you know, limited understanding is it's may not be as, you know, uh, progressive as some of the other jurisdictions. Um, I, I really feel like it's, you know, that the, the regulators here are missing out on potentially the future. And I think that, you know, Taiwan has the opportunity because again, we're still in relatively an early stage, early stage of, of this industry to really play a more kind of leadership role in Asia as a star, but certainly potentially worldwide in the future. How about you, Ivan? Can you help your startups expand beyond Taiwan or what are your views on that? Okay, for sure. Uh, so we have some uh, strategical co-investors in Singapore and uh, Beijing, you know, Korean and uh, some some in Silicon Valley. So we try to bring this, uh, we try to like uh, bring really good business to our portfolios and then uh, help them grow. And then uh, probably at the uh, pre-A and A stage, they can be seen, seen uh, by some, you know, like uh uh, um, overseas ventures, you know, those investors, because that's the way they go to, uh, they, they can probably like go out and then say, hey, let's go listing on NASDAQ, let's go listing in Tokyo Stock Exchange. Um, yeah, we, we have one example appear like recently, right? Like, like go go to Japan and uh, 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 success, success, successfully IPO. So sorry, a, bit, a little bit tipsy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, so um, do you think companies in your portfolio have that opportunity and you can help help them? Or what do you think for Taiwan startups? Okay, uh, actually, like one of our portfolios, uh, they, they are talking. I'm not sure if it's okay to talk about that, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't reveal. We love <laughs> things that you can't talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so, so like they are talking to Google and Adobe since uh, uh, they are like uh, security focused. So yeah, I I think it's uh, what just is, what is the name of it? I, I forgot. <laughs> 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 but yeah, you know, like uh, so, ta- uh, we have so many talents here. Uh, in terms of you know engineers, software engineers, hardware engineers. So, but uh, we we don't have we don't have like that kind of you know view like vision or you no know, base probably our our education because I since I grew up here. But I, I think your education is really an in- interesting. You went to top high school, top university, top um, exchange or internship or job at TSMC. Um, yeah. Do you feel like this is going to stay the root of everyone? Or do you feel that people are going to be more interested in being entrepreneurs now that the ecosystem is more built here? I would say, like, depends on your uh, personality and, and what you like. So, because I'm, I'm like, like at the moment, I, I'm doing what I really like. So, I, I feel very happy. I woke up at six thirty and then we went to office, working every day, even on holidays, you know, weekends. But 
I'm still happy, right? You're not working on weekends. I see you out. <laughs> I, I I work on weekends, but anyway. But so that's the uh, yeah. I, I mean, the education here in Taiwan like could be better. I would say could be better. But uh, yeah, it is it, it, it's it's like this certain of training like uh, uh, we Taiwanese students we got another you know talents or you know certain skill sets so we can like say we can count the numbers really quick. Yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> but I've had like ten. You know, Google has an office here. There's a bunch of people coming here. I've had like ten people saying like they want to have a, you know, tech uh, shop here in Taipei. Do you think that this is the route that um, this is really a good place for for engineers, or do you feel like um, people from outside are going to come start coming here looking for roles? What are your thoughts? I was like, uh, so many Taiwanese people they are smart. So smart people they can achieve a lot of things. Uh, uh, for example, poker players. Like I saw a lot of good. Poker players like Taiwanese, seriously, like like the like global global scale. Yeah, global scale exactly. Or just in our weekly games. <laughs> no, I mean like not home games for sure, but like global scales, like all of those tournaments. You know, like I have a few friends that are really good at that. This but is like an Andrew Yang campaign. Taiwanese people are good at math. <laughs> good at math, yes. And then uh, come here to find talents. Uh, do you guys have like I I've been asking a lot of questions. Do you guys have any questions um for for yourselves? Like for each other, yeah. I I actually have a question for like like like, like uh, company wise. Sure. So like, how hacks trust trust are competing? You know, like uh, local solutions or you know like uh, other solutions in Asia, like uh, for certain regional market. Yeah. So I think the beauty of 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 you know custody or this ecosystem is essentially borderless, right? So the way that we work with our clients are really t- two main ways. One is on the technology side, so we offer custody as a solution. So think about that as white labeling, pure, you know, software subscription-based model. The other one is on the licensing approach, right? So this is kind of like traditional hedge funds appointing a third-party custodian, like State Street or BNY Mellon, mm-hmm. uh, from a licensing perspective. So we can go go both ways. Um, so the first way, I mean, again, it's from a technology perspective. There's really no call it um, regulation per se because this is pure technology. Mm-hmm. Right, we have full set of APIs that if you want to build, uh, integrate with our, you know, APIs, you can do that. Right, mm-hmm. so that's one way. The other way is that you know, very much like you appoint us as a custodian. That means we have fiduciary responsibility on behalf of your assets. You know, we have a legal doc, so you know, you are protected by legal, um, you know, requirements. Not to mention, you know, KYC and all, all that good stuff. So that's another way as as well. Okay, I just want to say that I did not plan this out, but this looks like a budding. If anything, if anybody gets anything from this podcast, it's a po- uh, potential uh, future partnership I see here. <laughs> but anyway, any questions for Ivan? Yeah, so 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 as, you know, I think uh, who's your custody facility? I see you coming. And Amber, Amber just literally stole my second question, but I'll start <laughs> with the first question. The first question is, as Ember alluded to, we just closed our Series A. So, you know, we would love for, you know, future collaboration on the VC side. Mm-hmm. On us, and we will have a follow round to, to come. So that's one. The two, uh, the second part is absolutely on the custody side. So, you know, but, but you know, I know it, it's kind of a, a half joke, right? But we, I do get this a lot on crypto funds that do not want to use custody for various reasons. So, and it's actually a legit reason because a certain part of the infrastructure in crypto is still not mature yet, right, relative to the traditional market. So I know in hedge funds or crypto fund management perspective, capital efficiency is key, right? 
So I would love to get Ivan's thoughts on how do you think about capital efficiency and how custodians could potentially get better about about that. Okay, for example, to answer the second question first, uh, yeah, exactly the capital efficiency. So uh, think about it. Like imagine you put your all your crypto asset or say digital asset into custodian. So you basically you cannot move it. You can trade it on a secondary market probably, but you cannot do other things like uh, DeFi stuff, your farming, or you know like invest in private market. So that's that for me. That's yeah, that's good return, and then uh, that's, you cannot compete it with uh, you know the secondary market trading. So that's capital efficiency. Yeah, totally agree. That's uh, one problem. So uh, how custodians they can uh, you know they can improve? I would say uh, custodian probably like is good enough at the moment. It's just the the, the, the environment is like uh, it's it's getting better. Because uh, all these major players, say JP and then uh, HSBC or other, you know, like banks, local banks, regional banks, they need this kind of tech solutions. So they, they have some sort of products who can uh, help them to access to, you know, digital world, new economy. Because in the future, in the very near future, they're going to they need it. I, I just want to say also, you know, there's a lot of other... Um uh, custody and security solutions here, Cold Wallet, for example, Cool Wallet and Cybrano. There's a lot of like great startups in the space here in Taiwan. I'm just wondering though, what's stopping like big banks from having or other people having their own um, custody solutions? Honestly, custody is a very, very tough business to be in. Not just from a business perspective, but from a technology perspective. I'll give you one example. Right in in the traditional world, let's say again, I keep using B N Y Mellon, State Street, J P Morgan, Northern Trust because these are the big four. Um, there's a reason why these are called the you know the big four um, custodian banks, right? Because it, uh, it consolidates towards the biggest player in, in the space. It's all about asset gathering for custodians. Now think about in traditional world, right? So buying Apple stocks and buying Google stocks and buying Tesla stocks, there's really not much difference from a technology perspective. Okay, now. Coming to traditional or, or crypto assets, buying Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, and buying, say, you know, XRP as an example, we're now talking three different blockchains. That means three different integrations. That means three different types of, you know, documentations and, you know, whether it's smart contracts or a type of integration that's needed. Now, if you move to, you know, the newly kind of proof of stake chains, you know, like Tezos, for example, that was mentioned. So now we're talking about, okay, staking. Okay, well, people, um, you know, investors want that. So that's additional integration perspective. Uh, you know, on-chain governance, like voting for certain chains. Okay, that's more work. So from a custodian perspective, in order to support a wide breadth of assets, it's actually a lot of technology and mess behind the scenes that we, you know, trying to integrate and, you know, hide it from this plain sides of uh, our front-end users. Do you already have these integrations built in, or what are your steps? Are you thinking about entering into DeFi, into NFTs, or how does that look? Yeah, so I keep using the word digital assets, right? So really, it's we're in the space to you know custody any digital representation of value, right? That's where we see kind of where the industry is going in the future. Now, obviously, you know, right now the biggest um, kind of demand is coming on the cryptocurrency side, right? Like the Bitcoin. So we focus on the major, the large caps, as well as, you know, the likes of ERC-20 token standards for which we support. So I think we support about 95% of the coin market cap right now on the cryptocurrency side. Um, we also support the likes of security tokens and, and certainly, you know, NFTs, right, with, you know, the ERC-721 standard with, with, with more to come. So our whole thing is that we're blockchain agnostic, 
we want to support where the client where there's client demands. And so, you know, with the rise of uh, NFT um, this year and certainly beyond, you know, we recognize that it's a huge market and huge gr um, growth potential ahead. And hence why we, you know, went ahead and started the uh, integration with the uh, ERC721 to start. Oh, cool. So, like, in the beginning of last year, I was in Switzerland. Everyone was talking about, like, ooh, institutional, institutional adoption, everything like that. And now let's get into some, like, interesting, juicy things that I think everybody wants to know about, like, like Ivan. How can people who are not in the crypto space, how can they get into it? How would you tell them to start? What would you tell them to be cautious of? Or what do you, what do you tell all of your millions of friends to, to, how, to how to enter the space? No, that's too flattered. But uh, you know what? Just count red building. No. <laughs> Put your money in red building. <laughs> Put your money in red building. No. I mean, like, uh, for those, uh, uh, I would say, outside of crypto worlds, like new players, you know, like, come from traditional uh, world. So, yeah, just try to, you know, like, uh, buy some Bitcoins or Ethereum, like, uh, just like uh, like Tesla stocks. So when you start buying stocks, you will get to learn about that. You 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 get notice about that. You like uh, know what's going on there. Yeah. So do you mean like um, start buying from from local exchanges and getting the hang of it, or what? What do you mean like with Bitcoin or DeFi? What are your what's the next thing your projection? Okay, I would say like yes, yeah, just buy from local uh, lo local exchanges. Is like there there are my coins, you know, BitOx and then Ace. Just like like we have the tools already. But uh, probably like uh, the people, they need more education. They need more uh, know how to, uh, you know, to to know like how to do it right. But still, it's uh, uh, everything. Everyone got a learning curve. But there's like so much like hype machine, especially like here in Taipei. I mean, like besides following my show, mm -hmm. <laughs> how can people be careful of like you know all of this like chill? You, you mean like uh, lots of? Uh, sorry, I didn't get it. How can people be cautious and be steered in the right direction be, be, before um, before investing or doing their own DD? Okay, okay, yeah, just come over it. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding again. No, just you know, like uh, you you probably have someone like uh, you are really close to, and then uh, your girlfriend, your family. So who knows? You know, uh, rebuilding, uh, no, not rebuilding. <laughs> Red I mean, cryptocurrency for a little bit and <laughs> blockchain, etc. So uh, when you don't know how to do it. Like, right, yeah, you can come to us, and then uh, we are very happy to share, you know, like, uh, some, for example, like, uh, a few of my friends, they are, like, very successful, like, uh, entrepreneurs, or, or, you know, like, uh, like, TLL band, and they they invite me to uh, do some sharing of uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency, internally or externally, so I see it's uh it's good i mean like uh, more to more and more people they get to know uh, about blockchain about cryptocurrency about the new economy and yeah we saw it coming like a few years ago and then like i'm very happy like so many people saw it coming at the moment so by the way if you get anything from the show also there's red building and there's hex here in taipei just kidding um what what do you mean uh people saw it coming you mean that this wave was predictable or uh, what does that mean yeah, so basically, like, uh, uh, for example, Bitcoin, like, four years halving again, uh, halving once, right? So that's why, like, we can see the cycle probably, like, four or five years. There's a cycle in cryptocurrency. So actually, we are pre preparing for uh, 2025 right now already. I saw it coming, too. I just forgot to buy. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just buy some. Just buy some, like, uh, just like stocks. You just buy some. Not, not financial advice, but what should we be buying? <laughs> 
I will say sushi. No, no, no. I'm, I'm kidding again. Just Bitcoin. Just Bitcoin. Yeah. I actually it was hard to find um, Bitcoin Bitcoin Max here in Tai in Taipei, but uh, I think we have one on the show tomorrow. But any other advice on like new people in the space, like what to buy? Yeah, I mean, I I I don't have any comments on what to buy. I mean, I think um, you know always do your own due diligence. Um, so coming from a traditional buy side portfolio management background. Right, my I was always taught to to diversify. Right, so never put your eggs in one, one one basket. Again, not investment advice. Right, so think think about it. But I, my personal opinion is that, from an overall uh, portfolio asset allocation perspective, I do think there is a place for cryptocurrency. Um, you know, what, whatever allocation that you think you're comfortable with, but should have some small allocation to it as a start, and then just think about the risk uh, return profiles, and you know, you can take it from there. I'm sure you're seeing that a lot, Ivan, with your investors who want to, you know, get into the space through their quant fund and through your uh, portfolio companies. Uh, what do you predict or what do you see happening in the next six months to a year? What is your focus? Or uh, So we are setting up a uh, crypto hedge fund with some uh, institutions, like say, saying uh, some deals with it. And uh, yeah, it's... I would say like by the end of this year, we will set up some uh, structures that we can up and running crypto hedge fund. And then we do need custody solutions. So, you know, Kelvin, you know what to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And just uh, also um, on, on that note, right. So one of our client, uh, Hobby Asset Management, they actually recently announced um, their approval from the Hong Kong SFC. So this is just another way, you know, you can get a Bitcoin tracker fund was licensed by the, you know, the regulators in, in Hong Kong. So that's, you know, kind of another way of getting exposure to Bitcoin, right? It's, it's a passive fund, just like, you know, passive S&P, uh, for example, to, to kind of get your, uh, you know, foot in the door. So that's kind of, you know, long Bitcoin, you know, nothing fancy about it, get the exposure. Mm-hmm. Now, once you're in it, you know, it's regulated, it's custody, by, by Hex Trust, um, you know, if you want to tell, you know, kind of different type of exposure with active hedge fund um, strategy type of exposure, then head over to Red Building Capital for that. Okay, stop. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> um, I think that Taiwan is an interesting space. There's a lot of startups here and people who are like, you know, social traders or follow like social KOLs or mm. things like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see that also? Yeah, I see that like uh, like uh, we know a project here in Taiwan like uh, do uh, you know like Etorex some something like that uh, you know like uh, social trading you can follow certain you know opinion opinion leaders or certain traders I I, I think I like it I, I like the idea it's a good idea and uh, it's it makes fun of out of you know trading because like pure trading is boring I mean like it's it's really boring I mean you 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 can you you need to find fight your uh, humanity you, you you need to do something like some certain moves you don't you don't want to you don't you don't need to but you gotta do it because that's trading so what do you think is the next big thing to you know um encourage mass adoption do you think it's going to be um these sort of social trading or ex- access to um quant strategies or this nfts or what are your thoughts ivan you know what Apple buying Bitcoin, simple as that. That's the next headline, okay? The, yeah. We'll title this episode, Apple buys Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like since, uh, I mean, Tesla, like Elon Musk, so that's the one pump of Bitcoin we call Elon pump. 
because you know just uh, Elon Musk go out there and then say, hey, let's buy, buy Bitcoin. There's so many people like they are looking at Bitcoin right now. Right? Wait, wait, so who's the Elon Musk um, like variation of Taiwan equivalent? Mm, <laughs> that's a good question. Who's? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, or Asia. I, I know Paris Hilton is into NFTs. That's the only celebrity news that I've heard. So, what would be the equivalent? Who can we um, reach out to next for like Asia? Thoughts? Anyone? That's a good question. I actually haven't thought about that. <laughs> Jay Cho probably. I think Jay Cho. Yeah, Jay Cho. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he have his own NFT. I mean, he can definitely have his own NFT with his albums and stuff like that. Like, he had like the gaming, uh, gaming, gaming. Uh, esport team. Or yeah, what? esport team. All right. Yeah, I, I think like uh, so. Recently, we bring uh, one of our, our friends uh, that are coming on board to issuing uh, NFT soon. So yeah, let's keep it like classified at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's coming out soon, end of this month, I guess. Is it a Taiwanese person? Uh, it's uh, American. Oh wow! Yeah. Cool. Any other um, fun, interesting uh, news you can release here, guys? <laughs> uh, since you are already married, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the I think the next big thing, well, like they call it the next six to twelve months, right? Um, I mean. I think Elon Musk is, you know, is obviously a, a huge news because this or MicroStrategy was actually the first um, call it the S and P company to to allocate corporate treasury to to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely more to come, and I expect more to come on that. So, I mean, I think the rhetoric is still the same, right? We've been talking about institutional as- assets are coming, institutional money is coming, right? So, though we've been saying that for the past like three to five years in in, in counting. What makes diff- this year and late last year unique is we actually see it. Like it's concrete. Well, we actually see Tesla. We see MicroStrategy. Mm-hmm. We see Mass Mutual and, and traditional insurance company. So we see more of that to come. Um, and obviously, that just going to you know, you know, the typical rhetoric, right? That uh, for Bitcoin at least, that the supply is limited and demand is surging. So what do you expect to you know that the price would be? You can do your own. Yeah, grayscale. Yeah, right. So that uh, we we saw a lot of companies they uh they apply for uh Bitcoin ETF. And they're in the line for for a while, and uh, it's like more and more company joining this line. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. So Ivan, you're married too, right? And have a nice family at home. No, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> all those out there. <laughs> <laughs> Contact Ivan offline, please. <laughs> Call you. Uh, any um, closing notes or funny fun facts of you guys? What's your favorite um, food? Favorite food. <laughs> I would say sushi at the moment. Yeah, so one of... Oh, my God. Are you going to go into a hex pitch again? About no, 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 no. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, there's, no, no, no. I, so I'm, I'm a big foodie. So this is actually even more interesting to talk about than custody. I promise you that. <laughs> Probably. No, by far. I mean, you know. So, you know, being, being again, being Taiwanese but grew up in, in the States, I've always enjoyed coming back to Taiwan because of the food. Like the night market here, it, it's just amazing. I'm just glad that I'm not on camera. I think I'm not on camera because I, I must have gained like 10 pounds. And, and since, you know, I've been in Taiwan, true, true story. Um, my favorite food in the whole world is Nero Mian because that's just the best thing ever. So I enjoy I, I, that. Okay, I have another thought. Okay, another thought. <laughs> so because um, I've experienced lockdown and COVID, but you guys haven't. You guys have all been in Taiwan. How do you think COVID has affected sort of the crypto industry in Taiwan in general? Okay, I, I can speak for that because, uh, you know, like uh, actually COVID 
COVID nineteen uh, enhanced some uh, some uh, some domains, some industries, say uh, remote work, you know, like uh, video conferences, and uh, even blockchain technology says because we need we need technology to help us, right? Like we got issues right now, we got emergency right now, uh, we got major problem right now, so we need some uh, solutions. So we find out a technology is a is a way out. I think like you have uh, experience with TM- TSMC. That's yeah. been one of the main sort of like profiteers of this COVID. Do you feel still though that Taiwan is closed off for the rest of the world? And is that going to affect the uh, future when COVID is no longer here? No, actually TSMC already built their, the, 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 that wall like high enough. Like I would say like every IC design house, like when they have like some very like innovative design, like very good uh, uh, design, they should come to TSMC and make it real. So that's what I see. And then uh, when TSMC make all the chips, they deliver to, you know, like car industry or uh, like, um, you know, like IoT devices, all those uh, other startups or, you know, like enterprises. So you feel Taiwan will come out stronger? I hope so. And then I, 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 I got a face. How about you? Yeah, so I mean, I'm one of the people that basically in Taiwan, um, because of the pandemic, right, um, it's one of the few places in the world where you're essentially free, you know, in, in, in once you're in, in the border. So I actually do notice that there's a lot of kind of established, whether it's entrepreneurs or established, um, you know, expats. They all came back to Taiwan during this time because obviously, again, Taiwan's great. So Taiwan's actually become a very good networking place because I actually, actually meet, I mean, literally we're in the same room talking, right? So that we can actually meet these, ex, you know, very established people, you know, face-to-face. And I think this also gives them the opportunity to think about, okay, why not set up shop in Taiwan? Think about how to hire, think about, you know, you know, replicating their success elsewhere within states in Europe or wherever else and setting up a company in the U.S. or sorry, in, in Taiwan. Um, you know, so I think this kind of, you know, provides opportunity for that. So we're going to like close out here and continue to drink some beers in this um, office that everyone has left. But um, yeah, anything else or let's just shut it down. What are your last last words by Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. Thoughts? 300K end of year Bitcoin? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> Probably like, yeah, 100K. I'm happy enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any price prediction. So, but um, but I am bullish for the long term. So, I'll definitely get some allocation to it. Likewise. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. This has been really fun and uh, very um, organic and and natural. So, thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Calvin. Thanks, Evan.